Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Joseva Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today we have listened to the comments and the questions from all our readers and from all our listeners. And we have brought somebody onto the show that has an expertise in the legal drama and the legal issues that surround the movement that is Airbnb. And this is great because law always is tricky. I mean, I'm an attorney, but I don't understand these issues. I haven't looked into them and I have a lot of questions in this area. And so I'm so excited to have these guys on the show today. So without further ado, I would love to introduce Matt Staub and Nasser Pasha. Guys, welcome to the show. How you doing? Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to have you guys. So before we jump, so these guys have all the answers with you know with regards to what's going on, uh, you, know, you know who's moving against Airbnb, what's sort of happening right now, and where things are moving. They're also going to opine a bit on on condo associations, on the hotel industry, everything. It's going to be really great. Before we jump into the nitty gritty, guys, why don't you tell tell our our listeners a little bit about yourselves, about your backgrounds, what you do, etc. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start first. Uh, my name is Nasser Pasha. We're a business corporate law firm, uh, Pasha Law. We're based out of San Diego, California. That's where Matt's enjoying his lifestyle right now. Um, and we, we're also operating in Texas and New York as well. And we represent small, medium-sized businesses and various different issues. But uh, Airbnb is something that we've been following quite a bit because uh, we do our own podcast and it's just a Great legal issue that keeps coming up, so we're happy to be on. Awesome. And Matt, why don't you give a little bit of your background as well? Oh, yeah. So I've been with Pasha Law here for coming up on two years. Um, like Nasser said, it's we're a corporate law firm, um, dealing with small to medium-sized businesses. Um, I also have some, some background in tax controversies and in estate planning, so I don't know how... I don't have maybe the, I'm not a tax expert by any means. Um, so once we get into the tax issues of this, I won't, not necessarily expect too much, but I do have some tax background. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's awesome. By the way, I didn't actually know you were in San Diego. I'm in Los Angeles. So it's nice and early here, which is the way I like it. It's, uh, yeah. you know, it's just a little bit past 7 a.m. So that's great. I'm, I actually began my, uh, legal career in in Washington D.C. I don't practice law anymore, but I was in D.C. for a bit and finally wisened up and came out to the to the West Coast, which I've been loving for the last two and a half years. So that's great Good decision. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, so let's get into it. Let's do it. So first of all, I've seen I you know, read articles all the time on on the legal battles on people getting evicted. The so first thing I want to know is. 
what areas in the world, I mean, nationally and internationally, we can sort of <clears throat> split it into two separate topics, but where is Airbnb facing the most resistance? Yeah, I think that the locations that have the most most popular destinations have a lot of regulatory framework when it comes to tourism and hotels are the places that are having the most, most trouble here. Uh, places like New York, San Francisco, internationally too, you know, I've heard, I've heard different uh, spots in like Barcelona and, and uh, also Italy as, as well, I believe, where, you know, when you have people that are selling out their places, other industries such as hotels are losing business. And of course, uh, they have, uh, as, a, as a big money maker to some of these cities, they do have quite a bit of influence on the local legislation. And so, what are the so these types of legislations that are that are coming in that are coming about? I mean, is it is it basically is it typically banning it altogether, or is it maybe levying some really really uh, hefty unfair taxes, or wh- how how do you see it manifesting? I think in different ways. It, it kind of depends upon uh, you know what what's the blowback from it. I think uh, New York has has kind of gone the line that okay, well if you don't. You have to be licensed to uh, do this kind of stuff because this is basically you're basically acting like a hotel. And what that basically means is that we want you to pay a tax in order to do this, and we're losing money because of that. And and of course, the hotel lobby is also complaining that they're losing business. So I think that is probably the most primary way. There are some there are some things that I've seen where uh, people are concerned about the uh, the safety of the tenants in the sense of the whole eviction process, because tenants do have some protections uh, when, uh, for example, as a guest in a hotel, you do have certain protections as to what, whether you overstay and so forth and, and the regulatory framework around that. And then how that combines with basic landlord-tenant law uh, is, is where it differs. And also, so that also adds to the complexity of those that actually rent out their, rent out their pad. And so now when you're talking about the, the, the landlord tenant law, are you saying protections from the, from the renters, I'm sorry, sorry, from the short stay renters perspective or from the owner slash landlords perspective? I, I think both. I mean, it kind of depends, uh, you know, from, from my perspective, I, you know, as we represent more on the business side of things, we kind of take the perspective of the landlord or the owner of the of the place. But but generally, I think the some of those landlord tenant protections are for both. I mean, there's a classic case, Matt. We just covered it like uh, what a few weeks ago, right? right. Uh, of uh, some case in California where uh, the tenant. Uh, in fact, this is a. It was. I think it was pretty big news in 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 your your industry as far as the tenant actually stayed over 30 days. And once that happens, then you actually have to go through the landlord tenant eviction process in California to evict. Whereas if it was less than 30 days, that that's not there. And, and of course, you know, that's, that's also for the protection of the landlord as well to make sure that uh, they're evicting properly and be able to have some kind of process to evict and also collect uh, past due rent. I see. And real quick, I want to talk about this tax that you mentioned in New York City that it, apparently the hotel industry has proposed or, or perhaps some, uh, some legislative members have proposed. What kind of a tax, if something like this is actually, is actually set and enforced, what kind of a tax can, can Airbnb hosts expect in New York City? Yeah, well, so 
in at least in New York, and I don't know, I'm not sure about other cities as well. There's they have this hotel tax or whatever they want to call it, and these are all local, just local taxes, not not necessarily dealing with the IRS on a federal level. But um, it's you know it's essentially just a tax for for the hospitality industry. So for places like hotels, and I'm I'm guessing the people that are kind of driving this are you know, the owners of hotels and, and other big players in that field, because they're saying, look, you know, it's, a, it's unfair to us. We have to charge this. I think it's around 10, 11%, you know, additional on top of what they charge. They're saying we have to charge this and it's not fair that, you know, these other people can just undercut that price and, and not have to pay that. So they need to be held to this level as well. So there's that tax, um, you know, you could say there's the tax of, you know, this is as big, but so just a business license as well. I and mean, that's, that's another thing that comes into play, but it's that, that hotel tax locally. That's really, um, really the one that they have to be worried about. And what are your, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you think that that's going to be a reality or you think it's going to get shot down? I think it's a reality. Um, you know, the, like I was saying, the, the players in the hospitality industry are big and I think they have, they obviously have way more power than these these small operations or even the the single operations that are trying to rent out rooms, um, you know, on a, on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis. So um, I, I don't think it's something that's going to disappear. I mean, the, the, in in my opinion, the when someone wants to enforce a tax, it's it's very rare that it just disappears altogether or never gets enforced. So. Um, like I said, this is on the local level, so it's, it's you know not a, not nationwide, but it's I'd be pretty surprised if it just disappeared and these people didn't end up having to pay it. Sure. So I know another issue that has come up a lot. Now this is a little this is um, a bit different from owners actually renting out condos that that right that are theirs. So I know this has happened in San Francisco where you have renters. Okay, they rent a unit and then they essentially sublet it on a short t- a short-term basis to Airbnb folks. Now what's been happening is there's a lot of people that it's cuz technically it's a violation of the lease in some cases. When it's a violation of the lease, the landlords immediately enforce it. And my understanding is that the reason why they do so is because a lot of these buildings in San Francisco are under rent control. And as you guys probably know, rent has just been skyrocketing out of control there. So there's a bit of a financial incentive to get people out so they can have fresh tenants and, and spike the rent. What are your thoughts on what's been happening in San Francisco as far as these evictions and et cetera? Yeah, I would say that's actually pretty common, even in the commercial leasing space, where if a landlord wants you out, they're going to enforce the lease to a T. And that's going to be pretty common. And and as far as as far as leases go, I think it's important for everyone to understand. And by the way, this I think we didn't add the disclaimer. Obviously, we are lawyers, but uh, please don't take this as legal advice. Every situation is different, of course. Uh, and uh, please get independent counsel to verify everything here. But uh, in general, when you have a lease, the default is that any contract is is freely assignable. And uh, and in the sense that you can, when you're leasing a space, you can assign part of your rights into that contract to somebody else. However, virtually every lease has restrictions on assignment. So therefore, that default provision is no longer there. And so it requires usually the consent of the landlord to actually do those kind of things. So of course, uh, the landlord has a financial incentive to do so and 
has a contractual right, has a right to for, enforce the contract accordingly. Right. So it's it, it's very interesting, and and of course that that makes sense. You want to at the end of the day. Even if you're not in one of these localities, you want to do your best to follow to follow the, what's stipulated in the lease. Um, but I have been hearing a lot of cases, unfortunate cases, of people being like, "Hey, I rented my place out, got evicted," uh, and I guess it's unfortunate on both ends. Um, okay, so we've talked a little bit now about what's going on as far as the opposition to Airbnb. What I'd love to know is. What areas have you seen Airbnb and the short stay rental market embrace, <laughs> or if if that even exists? I, you know, I was as preparing for this. I was thinking about that to see if, if that's the case. Obviously, from a from our perspective, when we cover it, we're always looking for the legal issues and the the legal disputes, not necessarily a legal harmony. <laughs> I I think I think there's maybe one city that I know of, Portland, which uh, knowing the culture there is not too surprising. That they've embraced Airbnb, but to for a financial incentive because it, I I believe there's still a tax involved in that in the sense. So it just compare it to uh, you know New York and San Francisco where there's this kind of hostile battle where Portland's trying to embrace it at the same time benefit for, from it as well uh, in that in that same in that same token. And do you by chance know what the taxes that they've uh, created in Portland or that they're le- you know that they've enforced? No, I don't. I, I I imagine though it has to be something different than what uh, would be regular regularly imposed on a on a hotel. But uh, Matt, I don't know if I don't know if you you read into that or not. Uh, no, I, I'm not sure exactly. I know that it it is it's a similar idea to what San Francisco and New York has done in terms of that additional tax on top of whatever their bill is. But I, I don't know what the amount is or what the specifics are. Okay. So I've read basically, so like, and th- th- this isn't domestically, but internationally there's, there are a few places. Um, I, I believe the UK is, is trying to now integrate again, Airbnb into, into their economy. And I think they are creating some sort of a tax, something like that is happening in Amsterdam as well where they they're allowing like a certain number of nights per month some, something like that so there there are some places internationally that are making little steps in that direction which to me I think is great because I obviously I've written a book about Airbnb I love it I'm all about the sharing economy but now as we're talking about taxing and maybe sharing the wealth a really interesting question popped up the other day uh, and let me let me give you a quick uh, summary. So I have a buddy in New York, and he he bought a condo in the house Kitchen area a, a few years ago, and he began renting it out on Airbnb. Now, right, there is according to the rules in the condo association, he's not allowed to rent it out on Airbnb, but he did it anyways. He sort of did it surreptitiously, and he was making quite a bit of money. What ended up happening was the condo association, eventually they found out, I can't remember how, but they found out and they, everybody was up in arms. They were very opposed to it. The general counsel of the, of the condo association ended up writing him a letter saying, listen, either you uh, stop what you're doing, send him a cease and desist letter. Uh, either you stop what you're doing or we are going to fine you $500 per day that your Airbnb business is ongoing. And I was thinking about that, and of course they were in their legal right to to do that, to enforce that 
regulation to enforce that clause in the le- in the uh, agreement. But I was thinking, wow, that that's just such a hard stance. And I understand that the tenants, again, maybe they're worried about safety or they don't want random people there. But I thought, okay, money's coming in. Quite a bit of money is coming in. There's got to be some middle ground. There's got to be a way that the condo association can win while allowing this to go on. Have you guys thought about have you guys thought about this and what do you, what what do you think how how can they coexist or how can everybody be happy in a situation like this? Yeah, sure. Well, let's take a look at just conceptually uh homeowners associations, condo associations is that each of these associations have what are called CCNRs, conditions, covenants and restrictions, which is basically a contract with each of the homeowners, the condo owners saying that, okay, if you're going to purchase this property, you're going to live by these rules and regulations. And these rules and regulations may be amended from time to time, usually by a board, which are elected by the homeowners, right? And everyone knows the, the craziness of HOAs and condo associations, how, how crazy they can be. But I think what you're alluding to is, 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 is something interesting because if if there's a financial gain that the association itself can do to share some of the profits from the renting out, then I suppose there's something there. But I, I, I just don't see that happening personally because the 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 association itself is not in in, in the normal sense a device to make a profit to make money, right? And what are they going to do with that money? Are they going to disperse it around to the, all, all the other residents? And if that's the case, then how much is that really going to be? Is it really worth all that? The main purpose of these CCNRs is to protect the uh, so-called sanctity of the, the condo the complex and so forth to have a certain environment that they're looking for. The same concept that in a, in a neighborhood with a HOA, you can't leave a, a trailer on the, on the driveway for too long or can't have a basketball hoop. You know, people... As much as people bath these HOAs, people also like the benefits of it. So uh, I, it's I, I would I would be very surprised if anything like that actually happens. It would it would be a very specific uh, kind of culture of a building or of a condo complex that that would apply, and I think that would be hard to find. I see. Now, when we, and, and, uh, I think one of the main concerns is that, right, you want to protect the sanctity of the, of the condo building. I think maybe some people are also concerned about safety. Just curious, have you heard of any instances where the, the building has been jeopardized or the area has been jeopardized because of an Airbnb guest or maybe a short-stay rental guest? Yeah, I mean, I haven't personally heard any stories, but I would have to imagine that it happens you know, it's, I would have to think it's happened a decent amount. I mean, a small percent overall, but you know, just think of the sheer amount of Airbnb rentals that have happened. There has to be, you know, a, a decent amount of, of instances of that happening. Um, and, and to speak on, I just wanted to go back with the condo issue real quick. I, I agree with Pasha um, a lot, you know, wholeheartedly just because, if it's going to, it's going to be profit sharing. So, you know, what's the, what's preventing the person that's renting it out to say, well, actually I made zero profit because I got to put, I got to pull in all these expenses. Um, so after that, it ended up being zero. And even if there is a small amount of profit, it's, um, you know, spread amongst all the different, you know, different condo owners in the, in the whole complex, it's going to be a very small amount for, um, you know, 
having the detriment of having this safety issue. So it's, you know, kind of going back on that question answering this one, it's, I can see safety being an issue and it's, it's probably not worth it for those people that own the condos to even get involved in it in the first place. That's my take for my experience living in condos and having other people that have had lots of problems with the the HOA and, and all that. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. So now with this changing legal landscape, and uh, what's going on in different cities as a host and as a guest i'd love to hear your take on both these uh, both perspectives should hosts and or guests be worried about using airbnb for the time being and if so i mean what are the what are the concerns that they need to think about yeah so obviously hosts um would need to be worried because th- that's all the problems that we've you know we've been discussing and that you read in the news um you know there's if you're not doing it right, if you're doing it illegally, there's obviously going to be issues. I, I mean, I think in New York, they've even, um, you know, the attorney general stepped in and supposedly they're going to go through and find all the people that have been renting these out illegally and they're going to, going to go after them. Supposedly, who knows what's actually going to happen. Um, on the, on the guest side, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's probably some sort of something to worry about, but I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty minimal, I think. And as we spoke earlier, there's that issue and there was the, the case here in California with the guy who rented for, I think, 44 days. And, you know, once he hit that 30 day mark, he had all the, <laughs> he had all the rights to, to kind of just squat there and stay there. So there's definitely an advantage or, uh, you know, they have, I guess he has the leverage in that case from the, from the rental side. Um, so I, I would definitely think that the hosts, have more to worry about if you're if you're looking you know through that through that lens yeah i I think in fact uh, from a guest perspective the only thing i can think of is if you're renting from a uh a a, basically a tenant your sub you know basically a subtenant and the landlord the master landlord is in the middle of an eviction process because the tenant violated the lease and you happen to be there as a guest during that time but other than that i don't see that actually manifesting into any issue because generally besides california being one of the most tenant-friendly states pretty much every state as well has uh, more tenant-friendly laws than landlord so what can you do as a host let's say you still want to you want to pursue this for some extra cash i mean what can you do as a host to insulate yourself or best insulate yourself from what's going on what's going on right now (laughs) <laughs> I I don't think anyone's going to like what I have to say because I don't think anyone does it because the reality is that the most proper way to do it is go through your landlord, get consent, and a lot of times it requires written consent if you're having any guests stay over a certain period of time, and those are usually specified in the lease itself. And then on top of that, if you're in a city or locality that uh, this is a, regula- regula- uh, a regulated activity for which... Uh, for which you need a license or needs to be taxed, then you need to go through that pro- proper process to do that. Of course, uh, who's going to do that in New York and San Francisco? But that's that's the proper way, I think. No, I, but see, that's I think that's great advice, and I, hopefully there will be some listeners out there who who will take heed of what what you guys are saying because at the end of the day. That's what I mean. That's what you guys are here for—to provide the good advice to keep people safe and out of trouble and and problem-free. So I think that's excellent. Uh, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of an added burden, but that's why we have attorneys uh, around to help guide people. So that's that's really helpful. All right. So as you've seen everything change, what's your prediction five years from now? 
is will there be an Airbnb? How big will it be? Will there be harmony between short stay rentals and hotels? What you know, just give us your give us your thoughts. My thought is this, and maybe Pasha and I might differ. I have no idea. We we didn't discuss, but um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of new company, uh, essentially a competitor of Airbnb emerge and just kind of take in, basically there could be someone sitting there right now, kind of taking in everything that's happening, seeing, um, I, w- I want to say necessarily the mistakes that Air- Air- Airbnb is making, but just seeing what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong and come in and do all of this better and have a way that complies with the laws a lot better. I mean, I don't know if you've been on the Airbnb website in terms of what they give there's there's a page on there um and the question is what legal and regulatory issues should i consider before hosting on airbnb and (laughs) i mean it's it wouldn't even fill one page of a of a word document it's it's very (laughs) short it's very not helpful to and even what's there is not even helpful just says you know talk to talk to somebody that knows what they're doing more or less so I think there's definitely an opportunity for somebody to step in and, you know, kind of be a very big competitor of Airbnb. At the same time, I think as, you know, time progresses, we're going to see more and more cities, you know, implement legislation that's going to prevent or at least make it very difficult to have people rent out their spaces, at least at least in terms of the short term rental. So, you know, under 30 days. Yeah, I I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, I think the biggest ally that Airbnb has is the are the other companies that are in the sharing economy, uh, or even other disruptors. I think Uber uh, and Lyft and even Tesla, who have all been disruptors disruptors in the industry that are facing legal challenges on a local level. Uh, this is not something that can be fixed on a federal level. This is on a on a on a case by case basis. And one thing you'll notice that uh, for the cities that are successful, I should say, for the locations that these companies are successful in, are those cities that where it becomes popular enough that there's no alternative. That people want some kind of Uber system for their taxi. People want to buy directly from the dealer and. And, and in that way, the local legislature overcomes the, some of the lobbyist groups that are, are preventing, from, preventing them from doing that. And so in the same token, I, I also agree with Matt that I think in some cases you may see hotels themselves actually adjusting to the Airbnb model somehow and, and entering into that space. Or then you may find cities like Portland which will embrace it. And so I think it'll be kind of a case-by-case basis. And as if, if and when it becomes even more popular than it is, not that it's not popular now, then there, there will, the legislation will be more favorable because uh, the legislators will be like, hey, well, this is popular. Let's try to tax it. Let's just license it. Just like they've done an Uber in some cities. So, so now Uber can actually operate freely and Tesla, they can actually get taxed uh, accordingly so that they can sell their uh, cars directly to the consumer instead of going through a dealership. And, and so I, I, think, I think those are two industries as well as others that I'm probably not thinking of that can really tell us where Airbnb is, is going. That's such a great point. <clears throat> That's exactly right. If you once, once the consumers want it badly enough, then they can have sort of uh, a, a opposing pressure from the lobbyists, and then they can sort of reach some middle ground and some harmony. 
Guys, it's been a real pleasure to have both of you on the show. So much awesome information uh, has been given out, and I've learned a lot, so I really thank you guys for being here. You guys have to tell us how people can contact you if they have any sort of legal questions surrounding short-stay rentals or, or anything else. So how do people get in touch with you guys? Yeah, we actually, so we, we do our own podcast. It's uh, Legally Sound. What's it, what's it, man? I forgot already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Legally it's, sound smart business. Very long name. Yeah, it's legally sound smart business.com. We actually uh were able to secure that domain name even though it's one of the longest domain names in the internet. But uh yeah, so you, you can actually ask uh send send in some questions there and uh we'll choose some of them and, and put it on our podcast as well. And uh there's a contact form and all that. And of course we have a bunch of Twitter and Facebook and social media stuff too. I think one of them is for Twitter is ask biz law, uh, A S K B I Z L A W for those that need a dictionary to spell that. <laughs> yeah, I believe that's the official dictionary spelling. So it should be in yes. there somewhere. Correct. All right. So listen, all this information is going to be in the show notes. So for every, anybody who didn't get that, you can check out the show notes. Show notes can be found at www.getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash podcast. And for anybody who's interested to learn more on how to be an awesome host and how to maximize profits from their Airbnb listing, you can check out the first three chapters of our book for free at getpaidforyourpad.com. Also, our book is now live on Kindle for $9.97. You just go to Amazon and search for Get Paid For Your Pad. Right, same name. Guys, again, thank you. And that wraps another episode. New episodes come out every Monday and Thursday. See you next time. Take care. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.